welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. It is Sunday, August the 6th, and I am back with my co-host, Antaku. What's going on, man? Uh, not that much. Not that much. It's been a, it's been a pretty, it's been a solid weekend, I think. Aside from work, work always sucks, especially on Saturdays. Oh, yeah. This is my first day off in, like, three weeks. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked the last two Sundays, so... I will say though, I don't know how it is in Jersey, but like this weather unexpectedly just got great out of nowhere. It was nice yesterday. It feels like it's hot outside today. I haven't been outside yet. I'm gonna. I'm thinking of getting some fresh air. Um, yeah, it looks. Don't look like the sun's trying to kill me. Um, I'm gonna go on a quick, like mini rant. Not even. I don't even know if it's a rant. Real quick. Um, did you happen to catch the trailer for the new Bruce Lee movie, Birth of a Dragon? No. Haven't seen it. No, what, what, oh wait, wait, wait! I think I've like seen it in passing, okay. and if, and just for the people at home, if you hear high pitch whining in the background, that is my dog. Her name is Nala. She is a brat. <laughs> but yeah, so this um, this trailer you seen um, you see you saw Dragon and Bruce Lee story, right? You see that? Uh, probably. Yeah. They so, all just kind of flow together at one point. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome though, like. To me, that was a really, um, I, I feel like that movie is actually really underrated. Like, that was a really, really, really good movie depicting Bruce Lee's life. But this new, um, this Birth of a Dragon, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. Like it, it, it looks. How do I, how do I say this? It doesn't look bad. It just looks. It looks like they took Bruce Lee and transported him to 2017 but made it like it doesn't look like a biopic like it looks like just like a straight up action flick i don't know it's i guess it's hard to judge on the trailer but just like it's something about the and and then i knew something was bad when within like the first three three to five seconds of the trailer the wwe films logo flashed across the screen no no (laughs) now i know what you're talking about yeah (laughs) so like I'm, i'm worried man like i I want to. I want to see this because I love Bruce Lee. But yeah, I, don't, I can't. I don't know if I can pay to see this now. Like that. That logo itself might have just ruined it for me. You see, I'd be okay with like a mythicized Bruce Lee a biopic that just turns into like a giant action movie, like kung fu action movie, because like there's just so much about his life that is just bizarre and like a legend. <laughs> despite the fact that we all like this was a dude who was hanging out with Joe Lewis. You know. But, um, yeah, WWE logo, like, that's not a standard bear for quality. Yeah, that's not at all. I mean, (laughs) if you've seen the Marine 4. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, quick side story. I went went to the movie theaters. I didn't pay. This wasn't my idea either. 
But um, yeah, me, my dad, and my older brother went to see the Marine when that came out in theaters, and it was not um, it was not a good movie experience. <laughs> no, to say the least. I think I've seen like two, I've seen like two or three WWE movies. They've all been terrible. Yeah, no, The Rock fucked them up. Like they they want another Rock, but like the, like what, what was the deal with The Rock again? Like he left to go do movies because WWE movies were either shit. Or, like, they were just not able to, um... Or they didn't want to use them or something like that. But, like, I, I think ever since The Rock became, like, an international movie uh, star, the WWE was just kind of kicking their like themselves in the ass, being like, we could have we could have done something with that. Right. So, now, so now they just put, like, all their superstars through, like, the, um... Fucking, I called them superstar. All the wrestlers through, like, that grinder. Like... I don't know if you saw it, but there's, like, a movie with, like, Kane and Dolph Ziggler. Oh, Kane's in a movie? Yeah, it was... It was not... Yeah, no. Oh, Lord. Yeah, there's... there's I'm trying to think of, like, one good WWE movie, and, like, <laughs> there are none of them. <laughs> I, can't, I was gonna say, grasping for straws. I'll say one positive, though, about the birth of a dragon. Um, I do like that the, the guy who plays him, I don't think he... To me, he doesn't, like, look like Bruce all that much, but he does, like, Bruce Lee had, like, a really distinct voice, like, in the way he talked, and I think he kind of has that part down, and I do like that they include, because, uh, like, Bruce Lee, one of his signature things he did was the one-inch punch. Yeah. And, like, I feel like they drilled that in the trailer, like. <laughs> I mean, of course they did. Yeah, like, they, they made that a focal point. There was one point during the trailer, he's like, you want to see my one-inch punch? It, it, was, it was, I don't know. But I thought that was cool. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that movie. I just wanted to randomly throw that out there. All right, I got a rant too. All right, it's not as long as yours. <laughs> <laughs> not, not like, like it's not as um. Well, it's not as you know what you judge. Cause, so I went on Spotify like on Friday. I want to say, and I've been steaming about this. For, uh, not steaming, but like it's been like burrowing itself in my head for like two days and um I, I realized that at one point in the past like month i put soul on ice uh, uh i saved it to um, my library hmm. and i was going through it and i saw nature of the threat and i just kind of lost it because <laughs> i love roscos y'all gonna say for people who don't know what we're talking about yeah, uh, Razkaz. Uh, Razkaz, but I hate that song with, like, a burning passion. I haven't listened to that song. I haven't listened to anything with that album in a long, long time. But now I'm going to have to go back and <laughs> put that as the intro. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you want, like, half our audience to, well, <laughs> to just be upset, about, like, it is... Afrocentric historians tend to be just as bad as um well, every other type of national pro nationalist historian group or radical group or whatever. But yeah, no, it is some bad history mixed in with some <laughs> morally questionable questionable revisionism. Uh, I have to I have to go back and listen to that. I haven't heard that album in a long. Brass Cast was dope, though. He was a really, uh, really good rapper. Oh, no, he's an amazing rapper. Yeah. Like, Golden yeah. Child, um, 
interview with Vampire, two of my favorite songs in hip hop, but Nature of the Threat, not so much. <laughs> according to Raska, uh, according to this song, and I'm assuming like the Nation of Islam um, historiography or whatever, racism exists because like fifty thousand years ago, black people kicked white people out of Africa because they thought they were mutants. <laughs> and, and that's why we have racism. <laughs> now I have to go back and listen to that. Oh man. So that that's the basis of what we're work what I was working with. I'm gonna play that as soon as as soon as the podcast is over. I'm gonna I gotta go back. I'm probably gonna record two album reviews after this is done too. So I'm just gonna throw that in there. Oh man. All right. Well, we got we got two gems. <laughs> Y'all go go check out the birth of a dragon trailer. Let us know what you think, and go listen to Rascast Nature of the Threat, and probably get offended. But hey, man, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's more the historian in me that's offended. But I gotta go. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go check that out. I'm, I'm gonna save that till later. <laughs> but um. Oh man, I feel like that should just be a whole episode onto itself. Like, <laughs> but I digress. Um, last night, UFC Mexico City went down. Um, I'm liking these cards that are not so big on like star power, but just tend to deliver on the violence and entertainment factor. Um, and I feel like this card definitely fits under that umbrella. I mean, minus. The Alvi Rashad Evans fight, which, eh, what to be honest, it wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Like minus that fight, I feel like the rest of this card was really, really solid. Um, so I guess we'll just take it from the top. Uh, Sergio Pettis and Brandon Moreno met in the main event. Uh, Moreno just has been seamlessly steamrolling up to this point somehow, pulling off comebacks and <laughs> just doing whatever. Get, getting wins in, in, in just ways that I just wouldn't picture him winning. He's, he's finding ways to win fights. Uh, Sergio Pettis, who I feel like has slowly, over these past few fights, specifically like last like two or three, has been steadily improving. Um, I don't know if this was a title. Con- like, I don't I don't know. I don't know if, if, if Pettis gets a title shot off of this fight. I mean, uh, like... <sighs> After, like, Ray Borg is getting a title fight for his fight with Juicy Formiga, and that was, like, that was no better a performance than this one. Yeah. Really. Like, not to take anything away from, um, Ray Borg, but, like, I I think they really wanted that Cejudo rematch. Oh, they did. <laughs> they definitely did. Especially after Benavidez fight, but like he's he's been MIA and well, they can still do the Zulu rematch because that fight is scheduled for um his fight with Wilson Hayes is scheduled for the same card as a Johnson Borg, so hmm, things are still possible. We'll see. we'll see, but I only say that because Sergio didn't seem to like in the post fight interview. He was kind of like you know I guess it, it just seemed like if if I get it cool, but I'm not clamoring for it because he he feels like he still needs to improve, which yeah. I. I can't fault anybody for that. Actually, I feel like that's a good thing. Like, if you know that you might not be ready for such a leap, hey, man, take take your time. I mean, as young as he is, he's, he's got time on his side. But My one worry is he outgrows, like, flyweight. 
because <laughs> he's had trouble making the weight before. It, apparently, it's stem, it's time, it's um stopped, like his troubles like making one twenty five. But um, he's he's only getting like more solid as he grows. Yeah, and if he's like his brother, he started weight training like recently because like I don't know if he was like um Anthony, but prior to um. What was that? UFC one nine two o, whichever one where Max Holloway just bodied the crap out of Anthony Pettis. That's the one, uh, that that was apparently the um, the fir- after that fight was the first time, Ant- uh, Anthony did any weight training. I'm wondering if Sergio's joining him there. So my worry is he outgrows flyweight. He might have a might have a little bit of time, might have, probably a little bit. But in terms of this fight, though, I mean it, it wasn't like fireworks or anything crazy but like I, I still thought pettis actually had a really good performance oh, no, um, yeah um, he looked really great yeah i mean the first round didn't go his way he ended up getting taken down and kind of spent most of the majority of the first round just on his back defending punches defending submissions but really after round one it was kind of completely his fight <laughs> like it, it was pretty i say it was I guess you can kind of say it was one-sided. I mean, it was it was entertaining, but Sergio was really patient. He picked the shots, um, worked the jab, seemed to catch the left right down the middle. Worked really well for him. Moreno was doing a lot of <laughs> a lot of Moreno stuff. Just a lot of really weird, awkward, you know, movements. And but Pettis just didn't didn't get frustrated. Didn't let it get to him. Really, just stayed patient, picked the shots, and. I feel like he kind of, cru- I don't want to say he cruised, but he, he got a, a pretty handed decision. Like, by by the time the final bell rang, it, to me, it was no question who won that fight. Like, he, he definitely soundly won that fight. Yeah, um, the one thing Moreno had going for him is two judges gave him a 10-8 in the, for the first round, which I'm not sure how I feel about it, because he dominated the entire round, and he outlanded uh, Pettis, like, 36-2 to two on strikes, but... At no point was it they feel like Pettis was ever like in trouble or hurt or in like serious danger. Well, they they're under the new rules, right? Yeah, I think I heard. Yeah, so I I guess under the new rules, I, I guess I get it. Even though I'm still very conservative with handing out ten eights, but under the new rules, I, I guess I can understand it. Yeah, but so, so he only won um forty eight forty six on two other judges' scorecards. So if he had even lost one round, this would have been a draw. Like one more round, so they had it four one for him. Hmm. That would have been crazy. <laughs> that would have been outrage. Yeah, not a good night for Mexico, by the way. Like at all, I I, I think two of their fighters won. <laughs> I feel like that's the theme. Because <laughs> we just said the same thing about um. God, what was the other card? The Brazil one. Uh, yeah. Or what was it? Cause like in Long Island they didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. Didn't the do... Long Island card. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, they didn't do great. The Scotland card, nobody won. Like the only <laughs> win, the only Scottish winner on the card was like Danny Henry making his debut. Yeah. But um no um, so the thing with Pettis like Sergio, is he kind of gets a lot of grief for not being his brother. I think he's technically like, just from pure technique standpoint, a better fighter than his brother. Because I think he does a lot of things that um, Anthony just straight up refuses to do or can't do. Like, I think he's a better pivoter. I think he's better at set not setting up his combinations, but 
there's more of a process to how he fights. He doesn't just go out there and just like, I'm going to fucking kick this dude until he backs off. And I think a lot of that just comes from being like Anthony Pettis is like, like basically his punching bag. He's his little brother. <laughs> but um, we got one thing that just always stuck out to like that's always plagued him is he can't close fights. Like somewhere along the line, he just runs out of ideas and is like struggling to uh, like win the third round. Like it cost him against Alex Caceres, where he's beating Caceres up on the feet, but because of the size difference, because maybe because Caceres just like wouldn't go away, he ends up diving for a takedown and gets his back taken and gets rear naked choked. And against was he was it Chris Curiaso or I think it was both Kyriaso and Kalades, where he's winning the he wins the first two rounds pretty handedly, but he just kind of shuts down in the third, and like he has no idea like, what to do because he just kind of shuts down and like the other guy is able to pour back into the fight and win the third. Yeah, and we've seen him um, we've seen him fix uh, like remedy that in recent like in his last two fights like here he closed out pretty strong. Like and at, at no point did it feel like he had um like he just could like he was uncomfortable or didn't know what to do, and same could go for Moraga, which I thought like before this was like his best performance to date. Yeah. Easily. <laughs> uh, yeah. He yeah. He is never going to be Anthony, mostly because I don't think what Anthony did does that did at uh, lightweight is like repli- uh, replicable at um, flyweight, like that dynamic athleticism, just like covering all these holes when it comes to like your wrestling and being able to get out the way. But um, <clears throat> it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see um, because uh, Pettis just continue to get better at what he does, which is just a slow cooking pressure game, which is what both him yeah. and his brother do best. By the way, like when yeah. Pettis. I was gonna say like I feel like for what he lacks and like, like I feel like he, like people compare him to, to Anthony because Anthony just seems to have like that it thing where like at any given moment he's just gonna do this wild technique or something that's either gonna knock you out or he'll catch you with a submission on the fly. Yeah. And I feel like for what Sergio lacks in that like, he has really good fundamentals. He does like the basics well. He just doesn't have that one. There's no like X factor. Yeah, it's not like he's a bad athlete or like. Yeah, he's yeah he's not bad at all, or even that he lacks power because like he he hits pretty damn hard. It's just not that I'm. It's not that I threw my whole body into it power, or that I can get my leg up and crack your skull open in like two in less than a second power. It's I'm going to keep you worrying about my punches and like keep you off of me power. Right, and um, it, it's important to know he's like seven and two in the UFC. Like he's like he's done all this while still growing, both like as a fighter and just physically. Like he's only twenty three years old. Yeah, that's what that's what's like I was saying from the beginning with this guy. Like people wrote him off after like the Caceres fight and the Benoit fight. It's like I feel like we just forget how young he is. And like he's only going to get better and. I feel like he had a lot of poison in this fight. I feel like a lot of people would have gotten frustrated against Moreno just because of all the weird, just like, just weird movements and things that he was doing. And, like, Sergio never, 
it's like his head never got out of the game. Like even after losing the first round, it was like okay, I lost the grappling chains, and then after that he could just he completely took. Uh, that was probably the most like significant thing about this fight for me. Like him coming back from losing a round, like he doesn't know at the time, but it was a ten eight round on two cards. Like, and 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 coming back and just fighting his fight, like not letting it rattle him. That. Uh, I like that he pushed forward a lot oh, yeah. in this fight, like too. Because I feel like in other fights, he was way... Like, he was too conservative. Yeah, the Pettis brothers fight best when they move forward. Uh, like, that's the one thing they have very similar. And I'm not sure if that's, like, a Duke Rufus thing or, like... Uh, I, I don't know, like, a Taekwondo thing or something like that. But they do their best work when they are the ones pushing the action. If you go back and watch the first... um. I keep bringing them up, but, but like you go back and you watch the first fight between um, Anthony and uh, Ben Henderson. The winner of that fight was literally the guy who was coming forward, right from round <laughs> to round. So, um, I'm not like I think he did the same thing against Moraga, but I'm not sure against like Kalades and uh, Carriasso if he was the guy coming forward or if he was trying to fight long and like keep the guys at distance. Yeah, I don't think he. He he wasn't like super aggressive, or like he would have spurts yeah. of like aggression, but then he would just kind of get really lackadaisical and just like he just kind of looked lost. <laughs> like, he, like he just kind of I yeah, don't know. Like, it, it, like there, there was something missing, and he just didn't have that that extra gear. Like it just wasn't. Yeah, he there. he really just looked adrift in those other fights, yeah. like especially late when he he just like ran out of things, and they were starting to figure him out. But um. Brandon Moreno, I I had picked him going into this fight to win solely based on the fact that, well, not solely, but partially based on the fact that Pettis kind of just runs out of steam mentally late in fights. Obviously, we just talked about how it didn't happen here, and I figured uh, Moreno would have better access to training in Mexico where he could train like 7,000 feet up in the air. And have that advantage, but apparently it didn't work out like that. Yeah, I mean, he had he had a good first round, and then it's not know. like it's not like um he didn't have moments. Yeah, it, it wasn't like a bad fight for him. It's just his his style is so his style is basically freaking like his uh, like Anthony's uh, like Sergio's brother, like he is dynamic. He is dynamic. And his whole offense relies on being dynamic, and right. <laughs> when it, and so when he misses, it, it looks crazy. Like he spent large chunks of this fight instead of coming forward, he would blitz with his back against the cage, and he'd be like four or five feet out, and it, it looked like he'd be like throwing these ugly overhands and like shooting these terrible double legs that were nowhere near close to being complete. And that's what happens when you don't really have a sound way of going about offense. Yeah. And it, yeah, by like the fourth, <laughs> by like the fourth round, it was kind of like, yeah, you kind of got the sense that it's like if if you don't pull off something spectacular, you're probably just gonna get jabbed to death, and <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna go well. But I mean, it it was it wasn't a bad performance for him. It's, this is a you know, this is a growing fight for him. Yeah, and his journey, I mean, speaking of, like, I feel like both of them are kind of at, like, a, 
a crossword where like it's crazy that Moreno even made it to this point. Like I feel like he just seemingly came out of nowhere. Dude, like and like people we've been talking <laughs> about like Vulcan Ostomir, like just like having the surprise run at the um the light heavyweight division in the light heavyweight division. Like Brandon Moreno did it first. He debuted against uh the number nine dude in the division and submitted him in as they're around. Came back two months later, won another fight came back three months later and stopped another top ten guy. Like, right. And beat another gentleman on this card who we'll get yeah. to later. <laughs> who had a really good performance. Yeah. So, like, but, yeah. Moreno, hopefully, I don't know, like, what his train, like, his training deal is. I know he's worked, he worked with, um, freaking, uh, what's his name? Henry Cejudo's gym. I'd like to see him, like, come up to the states more often and work with like a really good boxing coach because that's definitely where he lacks the most like skill which is crazy because he's from mexico there i said it <laughs> <laughs> like he fights so atypical and i get it he doesn't come from like a a, a traditional boxing background like the co-main event, uh, Mexican star. Um, I was about to say I ran out of time. Alexa Grasso. <laughs> uh, but like, it, I feel like he should have been. He was. There was a lot of pot shotting. There was a lot of like ugly. I'm not even looking at you when I throw this overhand type punches. Like there are things where there, where he's used to being the superior athlete and that carries him through more than being like technically sound. And using yeah. his athleticism to enhance a natural game plan. He, I was gonna say, yeah, he seems like the kind of fighter that, like, he has all of the talent, but like, there's no direction. There's no game plan. Like, yeah, he just kind of goes out there and he just he does whatever. And I mean, against certain fighters, that'll work because he's he's really dynamic. But yeah, like, eventually, when you get to like the you know, the upper echelon, you, you're going to have to, you got to tame it down a little bit. You got to channel it into something, you know, efficient. And I, I think that's kind of why I lost. Sergio was just, to me, was just, was just way more efficient. Just picking shots really well. Wasn't wasting energy, flailing <laughs> shots that he knew weren't going to land. Um, but definitely, I'm pretty sure we'll see him again. He's always entertaining to watch. And I don't know. This I'm. It's, I'm interested to see what Sergio does next. I, I don't know if he gets his title shots. Um, if he does, um, I can't. I'm, right. I'm, 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 he better I'm, have. The, if he does, he better have the best training camp of his life. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, if he fights Mighty Mouse, I'm rooting for him. But dude, you're gonna have to have one of those like Dillashaw Barrow moments where like the time you get your title shot is when you finally put it all together and just have the fight of your life. Because yeah. Cause, yeah it, Beating Mighty Mouse at this point just seems impossible. Well, they, they, here's the thing. They have a few options, right? So we're going to go off the assumption that Demetrius Johnson is going to make Ray Borg look like a fool, which, yeah. fair enough. But um, who else do we have? Uh, okay, so we have Ben Wynn coming off a huge, like, less than one minute submission of Tim Elliott. Uh, we have, uh, of course, Henry Cejudo, um, Wilson Hayes winner, which is probably going to be Cejudo. N no guarantees, but, you know, probably. Um, and then we have um, 
Alejandro Pantoja at 13, coming off that big uh, submission win over uh, Neil Siri. And who's the last dude? He just picked up a win over Justin Scoggins. Oka Sasaki. So, like, there there are dudes out there who have picked up big wins in, like, recent... Like, very recently. Uh, the, the problem is they're all, like, two years away from being completed fighters. Right. <laughs> and Demetrius Johnson fights, like, three times a year. So... Yeah. I think... I feel like no matter who they... Or anybody outside of, like, the Cejudo rematch, you're probably rushing them to a title shot. But like at, at this the same point, time, though, for the at sake the same of time, the... though, you're rushing Cejudo to another, like to another title shot. You know what I mean? Because even yeah, like, we're we're talking like we talking about Cejudo like he, just because he should have beat Joseph Benavides, like he's a finished product. No, this dude's still only been fighting for like four years. Yeah. So like, I I. I I don't know what you do unless you actually let Cody Garbrandt do what he wanted to do and, like, have him move down. Or you pay Demetrius to have him move up. And, like, yeah, I'm 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 operating under the assumption that there's no way that DJ's going to go up because I don't think they'll pay him. They won't meet his demands. So I, I say just make Ben win and Sergio and make that a title contender fight. Just for the sake of a new fresh face, a fight that's not a rematch, Albeit Mighty Mouse probably beats <laughs> both of them handedly, but like just for the sake of like, I, I would love to see Ben win in Mighty Mouse. I think that would be fun. I think Mighty Mouse would probably win. Yeah, but, yeah. For for the sake of just having a fresh face, I say do Ben win and Sergio call it a day. Whoever wins that, give, give them a title shot. Man, just really quick, I'm kind of worried. Like the the sports sound off um, brought it up last night. And I'm kind of worried about it. Like, we're, we're hearing all these rumors about, oh, the UFC's trying to sell all their entire flyweight division. And um, I, I think Brandon Moreno is one of those dudes that were kind of just, like, banking on to be a bankable fighter slash star for them. And, uh, like, we talk, we're talking about, like, he had, like, a good performance, but, like, it's not a performance where it wasn't, like, this gutsy performance where he went out and just, like, battled for five rounds. Like yeah. he he had a solid performance in a loss where he lost pretty decisively. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's not like he went out there and had a war. So I think that kind of hurts his his not his like marketability, but like fan perception of him as a guy they want to see next time out. So hurts fan perception, and it probably doesn't make the UFC feel bad if they scratch. Yeah, because I I think Moreno was the one guy they were all. Like, there's a reason this fight was the main event in Mexico City. You know? Like... Yeah. Uh, so, uh-uh. I, 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 I hope so, too. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Demetrius Johnson in Ryzen. But... <laughs> but, um... Yeah, no, like... Flyweight is consistently one of my favorite divisions... It consistently just like has these like weird great moments like we're going to discuss when Dustin Ortiz comes up. <laughs> I guess some of the uh, like Ray Borg is one of my favorite grapplers to watch in MMA. Uh, Justin Scoggins, though he's kind of plays himself, he's one of the most. Man, well, if that if that guy could just get like, it, put it yeah, all together, man. Yeah, 
that guy should be a, t- a title contender, but he he's one of those dudes who just tries to prove he's too well rounded. He's like Neil Magny, like when he was on that big run of like nine in a row. Like he's just trying to prove he's so dynamic and he can do all these things, but he just doesn't want to sit down and do the things that will win him the fight. Yeah. So uh, hopefully flyweight's here to stay. Hopefully to, UFC two fifteen does like at least a quarter of a million buys. I, I'm not banking on it. I, I'll buy it because I buy every Demetrius Johnson pay per view. Hopefully other people do too. We'll see. Hashtag say flyweight. <laughs> I don't want to see a mass unemployment of fighters. That would not be, especially like people as talented as this. Like that's, that's I'm just gonna I'm just, I'm just gonna point this out again. Um, the Dana White basically confessed that the UFC has been thinking of dropping flyweight since they couldn't since the um the DJ Benavides two fight. When they realized Joseph Benavidez would never be flyweight champion, <sighs> so yeah. that that is the the whole crux of their you know beef. Get punished for greatness. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, we'll see though. Hopefully, hopefully they stick around. But great win for Sergio. Hope to see Moreno back. Um, Guess on to our co-main event, which was a nice, uh, nice violent scrap. <laughs> uh, Alexa Grasso took on Randa Marcos. Um, Got the win by split decision. Did you agree with uh, the decision? Yeah. Agree. Hey, okay. Did you did you think Marcos won? When I first watched it, I thought they were going to give it to Marcos. Uh, I was actually like sure they were going to give it to Marcos, but I w- I wasn't mad at either either way. But when I rewatched it, I could see. It was one of those where no matter who's won, I could see yeah. the point. So I'm not going to argue against Grasso winning. And my biased fan side of me <laughs> was happy that Grasso won because I, I, I thought they were going to give it to Marcos. But, um, nah, man, a really, really fun fight, though. Um, I think, though, Alexa worries me. I, I feel like she's too eager to take one to give one. That, um, that's just, her, that's that's just her stance. <laughs> like, she, yeah, like, this is kind of her, her. She doesn't. Uh, she doesn't really dip at the hips, so she's straight. She's like she has the Thomas Almeida stance where she doesn't dip at the hips. She's like straight up and down with like the um with the hands up, but uh, there's no when she does move her trunk to throw punches, her head stays on the center line because of that. Like she doesn't tuck her chin, so her chin's not real. Like her neck is just not really connected to her body i guess <laughs> right in that, in that sense where like she moves and like where she moves her body and her head moves with it yeah because marcos definitely she got off yeah <laughs> she she had moments in this fight man where like she surprised me she was getting off with the with the striking and she had this a few blitz moments that i i don't say caught grasso by surprise but like she realized this is not going to be a, a run through. Like you're going to have to work. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to work for this W. Um, trying to remember how I scored the rounds. I think I gave I think, the first. To, I think I gave the first. To Grasso. I, I had it one Grasso, two Marcos, three Grasso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the the second round, um, Marcos started good. And I think Grasso had a moment like towards the middle, 
of that. But then Marco's finished strong because I think she that was around when she started getting takedowns, and that was kind of when I started getting worried. I thought the tide of the fight was about to turn, <laughs> but yeah, Grasso kind of got it back. Really, the third round was really close. I think up until about like that last like two minutes. That last like yeah, like last two minutes, Grasso kind of started to pour it on a little bit and kind of eked out the win, but. Um, I want to shout out to uh, uh, Angela Hill on Twitter because she wants the winner of this fight, and I'm all for it. <laughs> That'd be so, dope. Yeah, that would be dope. I, I would definitely be a fan of 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 if she would have fought either of them. But her her and Grasso would be awesome. But I still think Grasso has a, a lot to work with. Work. Yeah, on. yeah. So a lot to to work on. Still a lot of improvements. But and apparently, um. At least according to her, I think, because she missed weight by, I think, yeah, um, um, Yeah, they said she had, like, a urinary tract infection or something Yeah, so like she went on antibiotics instead of trying to cut the extra weight, so. Yeah. I hope that's true. Like, I hope, yeah, I hope it's I not a case so. where she just got lazy and decided. Like, yeah. And from the way the fight turned out, it, do, it doesn't seem like she got lazy, so I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Because yeah. um, one of the big things that caused her to lose a Herrick fight was that, like, she just gave up all the space let Herrick back her up a lot. Like, Herrick didn't even back her up. Grasso automatically would go to the fence. Like, because she, she's, an, she's, I guess she just trained herself. Like, I'm an outside fighter, so I'm going to just back myself into the fence. Like, this is boxing, and I can go back into the ropes, and, like, there's going to be no repercussions. Like, no, you can't do that. That's how you get taken down. That's how you get, um, that's how, that's how you let your opponent, like, cut you off and everything like that. So, um, like here, she came, she was the one coming forward, like for the vast majority of the fight. And that was, I was really worried heading into this for her because Marcos is kind of that person who will just fight like this dogged style of, I'm going to jab you mercilessly, mercilessly and, um, come forward. And, uh, but Grasso was the one coming forward. She got low. I don't like the way she got low, by the way. Like, that hunched-over style of fighting. Yeah, it's really... For one, that posture just looks extremely uncomfortable. Her? <laughs> so, it's funny, because I've had the same complaint about Random Marcos. Like, in her last fight against Esparza, where she's, like, leaning over her, like, front foot. Yeah. And I'm like, one, I, I realize you're a strawweight, and not a lot of women hit that hard there, but you're going to get yourself hurt. That's yeah. where all your weight is, like, on in your head, basically now, like on your front foot. Um, two, it's bad for your back. Like, <laughs> uh, Roy McDonald does the same thing from time to time, especially if he gets late into fights, and it's because he has a bad back. Like he can't, like one of the things is he can't really support himself from like in his back for some reason, probably because he's been doing this shit since he was like sixteen. Yeah, and all the war yeah. he's been in. So, like, I understand it there, but, like, Grasso, if you want to get low, you do it at the knees and at the hips. You don't kind of just lean over. So, but it worked for her ear. Like, she was able to, like, it made her more aggressive. It, I don't know if it made her more aggressive. She was just more aggressive, period. But, like, another thing is it makes it harder to turn your head. Like, to get it all to get it off center line, so... I don't know. Yeah, she, she she's fun to watch she, though. Minus, you know, you know, there are definitely some 
flaws in her her game. Yeah, she's but, really fun. Like, yeah, she's she's really. If you fun guys to watch. haven't gotten uh, seen I'm, her fight with uh, Mizuki Unoue, it's probably one of the the best strawweight fights has ever been. So right. yeah, like she's awesome to watch, especially I, I like. I, I, I like this aggressive Gresso. I hope we see more of it because in the past we kind of just seen her like I said fight on the outside, give up space, let her opponent let, like walk herself back into the cage, and that's not stuff you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like yeah she she definitely um. I like that she throws in like volume too. Like she's not like a one, pot shot getaway. Like she's, I don't know. I don't know if it was just a fight that just activated something, but yeah, because in the Herrick fight, this was not the same. Uh, this was not the same Grasso. I feel like this was a completely different, different person. But props to Marcos oh, yeah. though, who I think is um, I think they mentioned it during the broadcast. She's like alternating wins and losses since like South. bring it up. South, yeah, yeah. Um, but she makes it. She makes it entertaining though. Like. She, she's not giving, especially in grass like, this wasn't an, an easy out by any uh, by any stretch of the imagination. This was a, a pretty good back and forth brawl. Like this, Marcos's freaking like career has been so weird in the UFC. Like she loses to Jessica Penne, but uh, th- then she uh, beats Aisling, uh, Ashley Daly, loses to Carolina Kowalkovich, beats Jocelyn Jones Liebarger. Gets stomped by Courtney Casey, and it goes out and beats the best wrestler in the division, or the second best wrestler in the division. Like, it's so weird to get a beat on where she is as a fighter. Also, did you hear? I'm not sure if you caught it during the broadcast, but they mentioned that she could. She, she uh, Marcos is one of those people that has trouble with um with money. Like, she has trouble getting a good camp because she. She doesn't fight often enough, and she doesn't get paid well enough to you know to make these like big moves to big camps. So I think she's at mm. Michigan top team with like Darren Crookshank, I think. So instead of um, she so she couldn't so obviously she's not going to be able to afford any equipment that'll simulate fighting at seven thousand feet in the air. Oh yeah, so they said she trained in an attic. as she hoped the heat attic. matched like. The elevation. elevation. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, that, is, that is crazy. Yeah, I do remember them mentioning that. That is. That's that's some that's that's like some that's some nineties. Like we don't know what. Yeah, like is shit. <laughs> right. Like you're not supposed to do that in two seven two thousand seventeen. Yeah, that's 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 some straight out of like the eighties. Like. That's like something you do during like the montage when you're training for the big like that, fight. Like that's something Mark <laughs> Coleman would have thought was a good idea, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I mean, I, I I feel I feel like things like that just probably build like a mental yeah. toughness. No, which you know definitely works. Yeah, Marcos is tough as shit. So yeah, she there's there's no there's no quit. So I, I guess in that aspect it <laughs> it works. But God, yeah. I, Please, yes. I, I hope she can uh get the get the fun situated because that's that's not something I think you want to have to simulate like every <laughs> every training camp. But man, but yeah, awesome uh awesome co-main event. Uh, Grasso still a 
still young, uh, young in her UFC career, still on the rise, still got a, a you know, a ways to go before she, you know, hits like that next, next And level, hopefully by then, always Joanna Jacek and Clay Gazelle will be at flyweight. <laughs> right, oh, yeah, that reminds yeah. me. Crap. They were supposed to unveil the roster for Tough 26. So we know all the women who are going to be fighting for the uh, flyweight title. So they, they did they? They were they, supposed to do it during the card. I fell asleep and watched the card at like 4 o'clock in the morning. So I have no idea who's on the card. Because I don't remember. I don't remember uh, you want this, I, I got it right here. Do you want to save it for afterwards or you want to just blast it now? Uh, let's blast it right. So um, your cast for Tough 26 is Ariel Beck. Ariel Beck, most famous for um, getting armbarred by Andre, Andrea Lee in like... I want to say it was for the Legacy Flyweight title. So, Andrea Beck, 4-4. Four and four, Diana Bennett, 8-3. and three, Invicta veteran. Shayna Dobson, 2-1. Sijara Eubanks. Um, God. What's the what's her brother's name? He fought in the UFC? Mike, Mike uh, Easton. That's Mike Easton's sister. Yeah. Really? Where's he been? Uh, I don't know. I don't care. Fucking both. <laughs> I, like I have nothing personally against them, but they're both Floyd Irvin holdovers, so fuck them both. Um, okay, uh, Melinda Fabian four three and one, Kareen Gavorgian three and two, Barb Honchak former Invicta FC flyweight wow. champion who got stripped of her title, and apparently Invicta could not reach her to tell her that they were taking the title from her. <laughs> Wow, I've not heard her name yeah, in a while. That should be terrible because she is not fun to watch. Uh, um, Christina Marks, eight and eight. Um, Roxanne Modafferi, twenty-one and thirteen. She's hey. back on tough, ladies and gentlemen, which is awesome. I think she has a real chance of winning, which would be amazing. <laughs> I, I'd love it so much. Um, let's see. Uh, Nico Montano. Or Montano, three and two. Lauren Murphy, UFC and Invicta veteran, Invicta wow. FC bantamweight champion. I haven't heard her in a while either. She's on Twitter cursing out women for all types of shit. <laughs> <laughs> she's mad because K- uh, Caitlin Chikagan, Caitlin Chikagan wouldn't freaking just stand and bang with her, and she was the boxer. Like, called her a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Wow. Wonder Woman herself, Rachel Ostevich, three and three. Jillian Robertson, three and two. Maya Stevenson, six and four. Montana Stewart, seven and four. And Emily Whit- Whitmire, two and one. Oh my God, this roster is terrible. <laughs> like, no offense to any of the women on the show, but like, th- this is not a good roster. They're pulling for Wonder Woman. I'm just throwing that out there. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm pulling for Roxy. Um, why couldn't they just get Joanne Calderwood? Why couldn't they just put Joanne Calderwood on the show? Because you know she's going to move yeah. up to flyweight the second they give her the go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say. So is it just like a tournament, or it's, are we? Or is it like tough. a main event? Like it's tough. Like it's the tournament. Ah. You know what they could have done? They could have got. They could have found eight women in the UFC, not, or sixteen women in the UFC. And to put 16 women in the house. So the women in the house have to fight each other. 
uh, the women in the house and the women in the UFC have to fight each other at the very end. Like, the winner of both seasons. Like, so you could have eight women tournament in the UFC, eight women tournament tough. You could just, because there are eight women in the UFC who are going to move to flyweight. Like, no. I imagine Koya Goodell is going to want to move to flyweight. Joanne Carter was going to want to move to flyweight. Um, what's that girl's name who fights at, um, uh, Veronica uh, Mercado, I think her name is, is going to want to move to flyweight. Like, there are women in the UFC who have been clamping, like, Alexa Davis wants to go to flyweight. Like, there are women in the UFC who want to go to flyweight. Why couldn't we just have, like, instead of having the winner of Tough be the winner of, um, Instead of having the winner tough be the flyweight champion, why couldn't we have like a, a women in tough fight for an opportunity? Yeah, I was gonna say because whoever wins that flyweight belt is getting belt. taken yeah. immediately <laughs> by whoever she fights next. <laughs> yeah, they they're gonna get dug so bad. Like, where's where's where is KGB Lee? I know she couldn't make the tryout because she had a fight like the day before or something like that, and she was like in the hospital. Like, I, like, I don't think it was anything serious. I think she's getting like a checkup or something, but like. She couldn't make. I'm sorry. She couldn't make the date. Like there are women in the UFC who would have made flyweight. Like, oh my God, the girl who just fought Leslie, um, Leslie, Leslie Smith, Amanda Lemos. Yeah, she would have been bomb yeah. at flyweight. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me to do this too tough and not try to incorporate it into the UFC narrative. I guess. Yeah, because now you're just, you're just setting... You're, you're going to get somebody to win tough and, you know, become like the new that new it person, and then just going to get dug the next time like, they fight. Yeah, <laughs> and it could have added a little something to all these, like, fight cards, like the one we had tonight, where, like, it just felt like nothing was going on. Like, except for the main event. Like, oh, uh, Joanna, uh, jo- uh, Joanne Calderwood and, um, I don't know, freaking Amanda... Uh, uh, not Amanda Nunes, I was going to say... Uh, what's her name? I just said, Alexis Davis, we're going to have that fight tonight, and the winner's going to move on in our tournament to, like, the semifinals where they'll face another semifinalist. And whoever wins this tournament gets a shot at the flyweight champion against a tough winner. Like, it it just makes all the sense in the world to me. I don't know. Maybe maybe they know something we don't. I don't know. But, yeah, you're you're probably setting your champ up. Like, I don't even, like, here's the thing. Like, with tough... There's always, like, that one person you know they want to win or to make it to the finals. Like, um, during the last women's season, I think it was um, Amanda Bobby Cooper. During the initial season, I think it was pretty obvious they they thought Rose was going to win the title. Uh, for um, the Bantamweight season they did, um, I think they wanted Juliana Pena to win. Like, you can always tell by how it's edited and how, like, who's on the roster and, like, I mean, on the lineup, that they want a certain woman to win because, you know, she looks really good or something. Right. I, I uh, Or, like, she has a good record or something like that. I, like, I look at this roster and, like, I, it doesn't matter, like, how good, like, some of these women look. Like, I, I doubt the UFC wants their champion to be 4-4. Four and four. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so that's not so not really. Enough. It's a fight. It, it, like this whole tournament is going to be between Bar Ponchak, Roxanne Mataferi, Lauren Murphy, and Deanna Bennett. Like those are the only. I want to say good, but like a not even, like not even elite, but like established. 
Right, established fighters that have been around for and have fought have good fought competition. Have fought on big stages and have fought good competition. Yes. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> like, Flyway is a good division, even without the UFC. Right. Like, there's no reason they could have they couldn't find all these other women. Like, yeah. like they already took like three different, three or four different freaking um, well, five now. I'm looking like the more I look at, it, the more I, like they took five Invicta women. Like, why couldn't they just take like another two to like have a better lineup of fighters? I feel like they just want to make a show out of it. Like, they're just it feels. I don't even know. I don't even like what that. No, I don't, I'm not a big tough fan in general. I don't like the product, but do I do like the fighters that they get off of tough because more often than not, they tend to be like prospects like Kelvin Gastelum, who probably wouldn't right. have made it to the UFC. But he like, he was talking about quitting before tough 17 came around. Yeah. Yeah, for the fighter, I think we mentioned this before. Like for the fighters, it's, it's probably yeah. Great. You get exposure to like elite training. You, yeah, guys who've been in the business forever. As a as a fan, I'm kind of yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 like I'm fine yeah. with the fight. Like, <laughs> dude, you know who? Uh, freaking um, Anthony Walker over at Sure Dog brought this up about the Dana White fight series thing. You get more. Oh, you you get more and better quality camera time being on the Dana White fight series than you do being on the fight pass prelims or on F- or the FX prelim FS1 prelims <laughs> or tough. Oh boy. I feel like that should just be yeah. tough. Just make just make it about the fights. Nobody cares about well, You can do like little featurettes about like the people, Yeah, like like we it doesn't have to be like reality TV. It can just be like yeah, this thing where we get to learn about the fighters, like a countdown right. show mixed with with actual, actual fighters. Fighting. We follow yeah. them in their daily lives. Like imagine like a guy like Adam Milstead. Like Adam Milstead, before he got his knee tragically destroyed by Curtis Blades, was a dude who worked twelve hour shifts laying down pipes in Pittsburgh. Like. You're telling me that wouldn't have been, like, a good little feature? Right. Like, here's this dude. He works a 12-hour job. He wants a, he wants a shot in the UFC. Like, and he's, like, your everyday. He's, like, your everyman or whatever. Like, there's so many better ways to do tough than the way they do it. But they really, they I guess they just, like, have keeping the expenses low or something. I don't know. They've. I feel like they've overcommitted to that format for way too long. And apparently, it's but, not Dana and them saying like, "Oh, let's keep the format." Like they, they could be, they could give a fuck about it, because it's just another thing they have to do. Like right. it's Fox and it was Spike before them that were like, "Oh, besides the actual fights you guys put on, and like maybe NASCAR, this is the most lucrative thing we have going, and it gets the biggest amount of ratings, and it costs the least amount of money. So let's just fucking do this." Uh, I don't know. Uh, I hope they. I mean, I, I guess good good luck to the women, though. I mean, most of them, I, I guess, will probably, like you said, they'll end up with elite trainers. So it'll probably do a lot of them some some great and something good. Hopefully, will come out of that. But yeah, your champion's gonna get yeah. drugged. That's and that's not gonna be good. <laughs> but, I mean, if if we get Joanne Calderwood, UFC flyweight champion, I'm not gonna complain. You know what I mean? Yeah, I won't. Yeah. 
it'll, it'll be a good feel-good story. It's just it won't be feel-good when they have to fight Gedalia and they get mauled. <laughs> Mercy. I'm look. I'm but, for one. I'm looking forward to Valentina Shevchenko, um, Joanna Jacek to a uh, four for the flyweight championship. Like <laughs> that's gonna be uh, so good to see. Hey, I'm all for it. Yeah, they they could have definitely done 125 way better, but we'll 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 see what <laughs> what happens with that whole debacle. Um, on to these. Actually, you know what? These next couple fights. I feel like these next two fights combined were only like two minutes long. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Nico Price and uh, Alan Joban uh, or Joban. Uh, poor, poor Joban. Um, I don't remember how this entire fight went. I just remember the finishing sequence, which was uh, Joban throwing a a low kick. I think it was a left low kick, and Nico blasting yeah. him <laughs> with a right hand that just like. Took Joe Bond's soul, man. I, f- I felt bad for him. Like, he got blasted with a perfect right straight down the middle and just kind of fell back, had no idea what was going on. Eight ground and pound. That probably didn't even need to happen. And, like, it, it, at first people complained it was a quick stoppage, but you could tell when Joe Bond got up, he was, he uh, was out yeah, of it. Dude, like, he, Todd Grisham immediately was, like, saying, oh, early stoppage, and then, like... Stoppage, and then he was like, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> like... Yeah, man, Joe Joe Bond got. I mean, props to Nico, man. He was aggressive like the entire fight. He he was taking it to him, man. He he was out there to to go for the kill. And let me look up Nico's record because I think he's undefeated. Yeah, it's kind of amazing to me that it took Alan Joe Bond like this long to get knocked out doing that kick because he never sets it up. Like he was doing it repeatedly against um Mike Perry. I'm like Mike Perry's gonna catch him and fucking knock him out eventually. They for because Perry's just is like this big brute of a freaking fighter who can just throw yeah. heat from any position. So, but no, like it took Nico Price, Nico Price, who had a like a slugfest of a fight with um a dude who got like absolutely destroyed on this card, Alvaro Herrera. Oh man. Yeah, Nico is eleven and zero. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was um, Alex Moreno. 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 Yeah, he's got wins over Thatch Moreno and uh, and all finishes. I think that Thatch fight got overturned because he smoked weed once or something. No, they still. Well, at least on sure dog, they still have it listed as a win. But well, I know Jordan Breed's a conscientious a conscientious objector to taking wins away from fighters because they smoked weed. That would be. So, I feel like it made it, it, literally, <laughs> unless they are like lighting up as they are walking out to the freaking cage. Right. <laughs> yeah, like no, nobody cares. Yeah, like it doesn't matter. Well, it might but... give them superhuman powers, so you know, better safe than sorry, I guess. <laughs> but either way, beautiful, uh, beautiful counter, beautiful counter, and huge KO, ass man. win for Price. Yeah. Like, American Top Team hoarding all the freaking, like, welterweight talent. Because they got, they got Covington, they got um, Woodley, obviously. They got... got uh, is Masvidal still there? Yeah, I think so. Masvidal. I think so. Uh, they got... Is, um, God, what's this dude's name? There was somebody else who was there. Like, at least part-time. It might be Alex Oliveira. I could be wrong. Yeah, Alice Oliveira. Um, and um, 
I think Santa uh, Ponzinibbio trains there sometimes too. So you know they got a big ass room of just like yeah Ponzinibbio. So they got this big ass. They own like one fifth of the top uh one third. I'm sorry of the top fifteen at uh at welterweight. So iron iron sharpens iron or whatever that's saying. <laughs> whatever that's what saying happens when is. all these dudes have to fight each other? Hey man. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like at some point, man, y'all are going to have to, because there's too many of them. And, yeah, great win for Nico, though. Like, you beat Joe Bond, and I feel like now, I mean, that, that, that doesn't put you like, you know, you're not like top 10 or anything. But now, like, I feel like you, you can, can go, you can call out some some notable You can go you can go fight like a Dunhyung Kim or a, a, Tarek, a Tariq Sahin. Right. Like, yeah. those are fights that are available to you now. Right. And, I mean, judging by this performance, that. Hey, I'm, yeah, I'm, you can't you can't I'm deny finding him. it really hard to say that he's ready because like Thatch and like the, the Thatch and the Morono fights like just play in my head where he got dropped by Morono like really badly and like at the end of the first round and he was I think he was losing like most of the second before he literally knocked him out at the end of the like the literal end of the second round like I think it was like 459 that he landed the punch at and they called it off so I, I'm I'm hesitant to say he's ready, but like if you could do that to uh, to um to Joe Band, like you deserve a shot. Yeah, at least to, to show if you are ready. So who has who, who the only person who has knocked out Joe Band? I think he got knocked out in, like his second fight ever or something. Yeah, he got knocked out by Chidi Njikwani in his second fight, and then he got knocked out by um Albert Tuminoff. So. Like the guys who haven't been able to knock him out are guys like Seth Bazinski, uh, freaking um, what's it, Mike and Mike Perry, and like yeah. those are dudes who hit hella hard. So yeah, so big yeah. win for Price. Big win, great KO. Definitely go watch that replay. <laughs> that right hand was nasty. Um, on to another nasty KO. This is probably the nastiest. We didn't, I don't think we, I don't think I don't we mentioned it during like the intro, but there were seven first round stoppages. Seven, this card. yeah, seven first round. They were one first round stoppage away from a record. <laughs> they were one, but I think this KO probably was my favorite one of Dude, the it night. It to number four on um, uh, Sports Center's top ten. Hey man, shout outs to uh, what's his Umberto name? Humberto Bandanay. Bandane. If I rem let's go. If I remember correctly, he was the biggest underdog yes. in this card. I don't know I why. I think. Like And he was like a minus three something? I can't remember. I can't remember the exact like but yeah, he was like the biggest underdog. Um he fought Martin Bravo. <laughs> in a fight that I didn't notice until I rewatched it. It was just all kicks. I don't <laughs> I don't think anybody was throwing like jabs. Like it was a lot of low kicks and just like body kicks and then uh Humberto went I think he went mid range with like a body kick and then he went to go high and I guess Martin just kinda I think he was like <laughs> ducking like, down for like a double leg or yeah. something. I don't know what happened. He just kinda ducked right into it His, and yeah. he ate oh, a God. knee. A vicious Like he, he went <laughs> stiff as a board, like hands up yeah. to the sky. Yeah, it was like, bad. Why have you forsaken me? <laughs> oh it yeah, was that, bad it was beautiful it was a beautiful though. setup yeah 20 26 seconds in yeah and he bravo got sent stiff he went straight to the afterlife there was no 
was no question. Yo, I, like, I, so, so I didn't yeah. know this before the fight, but apparently, um, I like I thought Umberto was like thirty-two or something, so I wasn't like giving him much of a look. But apparently, he's only twenty-two, and he's six-one. Oh my god! So he's gonna grow like another, at least another maybe inch or two. Yeah. By the time he's like twenty-five, twenty-six. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's scary. That's that's scary. Dude, he's a featherweight. Yeah, and he's. I mean, it's kind of hard to judge because the fight was only twenty six seconds, but like he looks pretty athletic. Yeah. So like he's not a guy who's like big and rangy for nothing. Like it, it looks like he knows how to use his size. So I'm just saying, Ooh. one day all Peru featherweight title fight, <laughs> and, and it's a it's a title fight that would have some legs because Enrique Berzola is one of the three guys that beat. Uh, Bandanay when he was on the regional scene when he fought in Inco FC. So, like, I I, I know where... I, I see the future, and it's all Peru. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I just want to see more of them kicks, man. If you can keep... If you can keep putting people to sleep like that, man, I'm... You, you, want, you want a fan over here. So, yeah, shout-outs to him. Big underdog on the card, and probably left the card with top two KO. Uh, debatable between him and Ortiz. We'll get, we'll get to Ortiz in a little he got, bit. He left but... with fifty thousand extra dollars. Hey man, so. <laughs> yeah, you're you're winning. You're winning, sir. Doing doing good work. <laughs> good yeah, violent work. The will get you a lot in Peru, bro. Uh, um, this this next fight, I honestly don't even want to spend too much time. On this you, you see, I wanted to have a whole discussion about this fight. <laughs> <laughs> like a whole separate hour, I mean... like two hour podcast <laughs> the fall of Rashad Evans oh lord alright uh... <laughs> Sam Alvey uh, took on Rashad Evans uh, I think this is Rashad's second go at 185 yes. um, I don't really even really know what to say about this fight it's just kind of a lot I, of uh, I, I'll start yeah, you, you you can take this. I, 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 I honestly, can't honestly thought <laughs> Sam Alvey was going to knock Rashad Evans out heading into this fight. That's all I got. <laughs> like, props to Evans. He, he managed not to get knocked out. That, that, that's that's like ninety five percent of the like, discussion because Evans does not close distance well. Like, I I think I said it before. I thought like forever. Like, forever, his boxing was really overrated. Like, his strengths always came from, um, for me, anyway, was throwing something, like, fast and then transitioning into a takedown. And I think that's always where his, like, the, where his bread and butter was. But, uh, here, no, no, um, mm-hmm. like, the, the the thing is the explosiveness is still there, but like the connective tissue is kind of like deteriorated, and he's become even more gun shy than he has in the past. And like Rashad Evans is the type of dude who's losing at, who in the past was losing every exchange until he finally caught the guy. Like there's a reason his knockout against Chuck came with him his back against the fence. Him shelled up and like him like throwing a punch, while not even looking at Chuck. I don't want to say it was like a last ditch effort, but it was like that wasn't the intention. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was... So like, I, and I kind of joked about it, but I, I think the most impressive striking performance of his career, like start to finish, was him getting 
you know, beat up by Daniel Kelly. Daniel Kelly. Like, <laughs> yeah, he looked good. At, he looked better there. <laughs> he didn't look bad at. Yeah, he didn't look bad at it. I just like, Kelly the, just the tra- like, the, that was Rashad without like the athletic advantage. And like this is still like Rashad is shot in the sense that like he's not punch drunk, he's not chinny, he's not physically deteriorating. Right, but he's just, just mentally and y'all gonna say it, that's what Stan kept bringing up the the broadcast. Yeah, it was like it just seems like a mental thing because you look at him physically, like he looks, he still looks in shape. He's still like he's still pretty fast. He's still athletic, but like that just... extra oomph isn't there anymore. Yeah, when it's it just, comes yeah, to his athleticism and like mentally, he can't make up for it. Like, I'll give a shout out to uh, Alvy's wife though, who. Was very loud with him in the corner. Oh, dude, she, <laughs> she's great. I was, she gives out really yeah, man. solid advice. Yeah, I think it was between like the second and third round. Like she was really going at Albie to like you. You really need to push it, dude. Like <laughs> so, yeah. Shout outs to her, man. I love good corner people who give great advice. Former so. American top model contestant, I think. But turns MMA I, I coach. So that's weird. Like that's the thing. Like I think like. She got into MMA when she met Alvy, and she became his coach after, like, just learning about the sport through Alvy. So, yeah. like, she is a smart woman. Yeah, it, and it worked. I mean, he, I mean, dang it, I can't even really say what he did. His fight was so just he landed, not memorable. He landed a lot of left hands, <laughs> and he came forward a little bit more than he's used to in the fights, so. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty much it. I don't. Yeah, I don't have much else to contribute to that fight. Yeah, Rashad. Rashad should have dropped down literally immediately after he lost to Jones. Like, the very yeah. next day, five years ago, he should have came out and said, you know what? Like, heavyweight, not working for me. I can't beat Jones. I'm going to go down to uh, 185 and go fight um, Anderson Silva. <sighs> well... I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I remember literally, like, I think it was, like, 2015. It was definitely 2015. Right like before the Bader fight, people were complaining about Evans and saying, like, he should go to 185 because I think he'll beat Chris Weidman. No, he wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Rashad is just... He's had one of those careers where I look at it now and it's like, what, 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 what went wrong? Like, where? I don't know what I'm watching Inju- anymore. Just like, injuries, <laughs> like injuries. Um, what's the next thing? Like, I think mentally, like, I think like, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure of this. I think just losing to Jones just like took it out of him. To be honest with you, but I like to be optimistic. I don't want to make it sound like I'm fighter bashing, cause I, like I said, the, I think the 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 physical aspect is still there. Just like I don't know, he went to go train with Frankie Edgar and he slept in like Mark Henry's basement or something. Yeah, they said. Uh, I think it was like his uh, Frankie's father-in-law. Some yeah, somebody related to Frankie he slept in their basement because he was like um he he wants he felt like he was getting too I guess like complacent with what he yeah. was doing, so he wanted to feel uncomfortable again. Which. With, Smart, I mean, in theory, it makes and, sense. And he went to go yeah. train with Frankie. Like, the legitimate 
blueprint to what Evans should be, which is like a guy who can turn his boxing into wrestling seamlessly <laughs> and keep up a pace. And it still didn't work. Like, maybe it's still too early to figure out, but like, Rashad is 37 years old. He's not going to become this guy who throws, like, who's able to throw 500 round, uh, punches around on the heavy bag anymore. Like, that's just not going to yeah. be him. And if he can't if he can't, uh, like, take guys down, there's just not much left for him. And it sucks to say that, because, like, I, I like Evans. Like, he seems like an alright guy. But, like, this is just the way that thing, things go sometimes. Yeah, how the, how the cookie crumbles. And it, and it sucks. <laughs> it, it does, but, like, like, I know he wants to fight until, like, I think he said he wanted to fight until like fighting was done with him or something like that. Yeah, I don't. I feel like I just want to see one more good scrap for him. Like win or lose, I just I just want to see one more. Just give me one more great fight, and I, I I'll be happy with how your career ends. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. He, he's in a weird, this weird spot. But I guess you know, solid win for Albie. Um, and shout out to his wife once again. That's that's the. That's the type of corner person every fighter needs. Yeah, so it's just <laughs> somebody who can tell it to you straight. Yeah, definitely, definitely need that. So props to Alvi. Um, not a great fight, but you know, eh, it is what it is. I, I won't I mean, frown it, too much because other than that it, fight, it, the rest of the fight. It's a fight between was... Sam Alvi and Rashad Evans, and and where neither one of them can knock the other out. So it's yeah. what you expect. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, this next fight though, which was the last fight on the main card, um. Alejandro Perez and Andre Sukumtat. Tat, if I'm saying that correct. Right. Um, this was a really fun, it's <laughs> a really fun fight. Um, I've never seen somebody land so many jabs that just <laughs> repeatedly drop somebody over and over. Um, Sukumtat, I don't know what is in that left hand glove, but he just fired that left and he's he dropped <laughs> he dropped Perez. It was twice in the first, one, and once it, I think to start, was, once yeah, in the once second, in the beginning of the second. Yeah, um, but this is an awesome fight, though. Really, um, entertaining back and forth scrap. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't mad with the decision. I saw some people on Twitter complaining that they thought Seekum Tot won. Um, I think though you could argue, especially I guess under these new rules, that the first round could have been scored eh. in ten eight. Um, eh. But. Uh, I guess that's neither here nor there. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm all for giving way. more ten eights. I'm all for like if you're beating the shit out of a guy and like he's like uh like that should count more than a round where like a guy just lays on top of you and doesn't really do anything. But like, yeah. like those are flash knockdowns, man. Like you can. Yeah, and it wasn't. He wasn't like about. Like, it's finished. not like he knocked him down and got on top of him and hammered him like four or five times and then he got back up and yeah. do some miracle display of heart it's he got knocked down a jab and he stood up and was like crap just like right. twice three times actually like it, it's not it, it was nothing it was it was really great timing on Sukun, uh, Suk, uh oh god Sukuntov's part like um each jab came as Perez was either coming forward or he was like stepping to the side and trying to like weasel his way out of like the corner, so like, I want to say like this is the one that came at this the beginning of the second. Um, 
he he literally squares up to like circle out, and as he's putting his foot down to like get his base to start circling out, Sugutov hits him with a jab that just drops him because he has no base. <laughs> and then he flashes the three sign in front of his face. I thought it was no, that was awesome. great. Like I, I love that. Yeah, his 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 showmanship, his, his showmanship's pretty good. But, uh, but props to Alejandro though, man, because. After getting dropped three times, like, he never lost composure or looked worried or, you know, like, he didn't seem like he was out of the fight. Like, to me, really, like, after the first, he he fought his way back into the fight and just took it, like. He took it on work, like, I, I don't know, like, they mentioned that Sukuntal kind of laughed at the idea that, like, altitude plays a factor in, like, cardio. Yeah. But, um, like, he, he's, I, I, I I think he had that in his mind as the fight was going on because, like you said, we he dropped him three times and did nothing with it. Like yeah. he was really low output. Like he wasn't throwing like these big combinations. Like, he was just mostly like pot shotting. He, he messed him up with that jab. Like don't get me wrong. I, I want to say like one side of Perez was just all like bloodied up and cut open and stuff or swollen at least, but um. Perez kind of just powered through it. Like he was throwing these big overhand rights, and like he was having success with the leg kicks. I wish he went to them more a little bit. Um, he got on top, I think, at the end of the second. Or I think that's what kind of stole him yeah, in the fight. He got, that he was able to get taken. Yeah. Down. So like, props to Perez. Like, he's a dogged fighter. He's three zero and one in the UFC or four zero and one and something crazy like that. No, wait, wait. No, he lost to Patrick Williams. All right, so he's so he's like one, two, three, four, and five, six. Wait, no, those are tough. So it's four and one and one in the UFC. So props to him. Yeah, solid. Really good performance from both of them, though. I'm definitely, even though he lost, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Super uh, yeah, fight again. It was really All fun right. to watch. I want to say like, his <laughs> last fight was like, a yeah. fight of the night or something like that. No, it wasn't. Never mind. But there was that fight with Albert Morales at uh, 209. It was really good. Like, I hope they don't cut him. Or if they're, th- or if they're nah. thinking about it, they put him on like the Dana White fight card tender series or whatever. And just yeah. give him a chance to like, get a win. Yeah. He's, he's really possible. Him, though. It, was a really, it was a really good way to kick yeah. off the card. It was a it, nice, <laughs> a nice If there was threat. a fight of the night, this probably would have been it. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, that was uh, pretty much it for that fight. So, split decision to Perez. So, that rounds out the main card. Um, but we'll get to a few of these prelims, though. Um, I kind of just want to go straight to Ortiz. But for the sake of going in order. <laughs> Jack uh, Hermanson and Bradley Scott. I don't remember much of this fight. I just kind of remember Hermanson somehow. Oh, so Hermanson takes down up. Scott. It's actually a really nice takedown where, like, Scott looks like he's about to get out. And Hermanson just cuts a corner and gets him down. And then he threatens the Kimura. Hermes, uh, Scott goes to, um, not to block, but, uh, like, he goes to grab his shorts. He, I guess he, like, um, he just kind of gets blindsided by it. But Hermanson steps over, wraps his leg around, gets full mount, and just proceeds to violently pound the crap out of his face. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was, like, I guess Hermanson had him down at one point, so he bridges up with his elbow against his face and just starts dribbling his head off the mat like a basketball. Oh, so, yeah. like, violent win for Hermanson. He's really fun to watch when he gets on top and just starts beating on people. 
I feel like he he fought not too long. He got, ago, yeah, he once uh, he uh, he knocked out Alex, Alex knocked, Nicholson. So he's he's like my hero. So he knocked out the guy with the beard, uh, right? the dude who beat his wife. Okay. He's um he's what's it, he's Mike Perry's boy. They tried oh, at the UFC okay. gym under his father together. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But, yeah, I was going to say, because I knew Hermanson looked familiar. But, yeah, that, that was a really violent, uh, really violent finish. So, what's his record? 16 and 3. Oh, and the UFC is, like, 3 and 1. He got, he got submitted by uh, Cesar Ferreira. Oh, my God, he's a Venator FC veteran. I forgot about that. Hey. Venator. The Bellator of Italy. <laughs> the Bellator of Italy. Yeah, but... Um, Bellator was run by uh, Martin Shkreli, Sh- uh, basically. <laughs> but shout outs to him. That was a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty violent uh, finish. And speaking of violent finishes, speaking of violent finishes, and speaking of of history being made, uh, one Dustin Ortiz now has the fastest stoppage in flyweight history with 15 seconds. <laughs> KO over Hector Sandoval. Um, pretty much the fight was Sandoval coming out pretty aggressive, <laughs> throwing throwing bombs. Uh, Ortiz hit this beautiful kind of like I can't remember. I think I want to say uh, Sandoval threw a right, and Ortiz just kind of beautifully just kind of stepped back just an inch, got out the way, threw his own right, a quick left. It happened so fast in real time, I didn't even kind of realize what happened. If, if I'm remembering just... it right, it was um, um, Sandoval did this thing where he comes forward, you know, like re- hyper aggressively, and he's like he's doing like the yep. advanced version of like not the advanced version, like the um, the freaking amped up version of uh, of Dominic Cruz, like doing those like those foot feints, of feints where he like yeah, it looks like he's literally just like jumping in. So he does that. Then he th- he tries to throw like I want to say a hook or a jab with his lead. I think it was yeah. a hook. I feel like it was a hook. Ortiz comes. Ortiz takes a quarter step back. Throws the overhand right. Connects. <clears throat> throws a hook. Connects with that too as he's going down. And um, I think he landed one more right hand because like Sandoval tried to get back up but couldn't. And then he just gets pounded out from there. For like a quick yeah. second, before the ref steps in, is like, "No, you're done." And this yeah. all happens in the span of like 15 seconds. <laughs> and then he etches himself in the history. Like that's what is not the dude I think of when I think fastest stoppage in, Uf- in UFC right. flyweight history. But man, congratulations! Like that's 50 G's in his pocket. Yeah, it was wild because my first thought after he won was like. Man, that was amazing. And I thought, like, Moreno beat this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, man, that was that was an awesome, awesome KO. And, yeah, props <clears throat> to etching yourself in a history like, book. Dustin Ortiz is just that and... dude who will stomp you mercilessly if you're not his level. Like, he did it to Willie Gates, too. <clears throat> like, there's a dude who beat Justin Scoggins and Ray Borg. Like, he's, he is not a bad fighter. Not at all, yeah. So yeah, man, awesome performance. Yeah, have he? That's that's fifty G's, definitely well earned. Quickly um, earned. 
by the way. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> really quick payday. You, you train for months for a fight, and you end it in 15 seconds. That, it, it doesn't that doesn't get much better than that. Um, I guess uh, kind of breeze through the rest of these fights real quick. Uh, Ronnie Yaha, or Hani Yaha, I should say, and Enrique Briones. Uh, Yaha just relentlessly went for a Kimura that he just eventually got. Like, the UFC <laughs> hates Briones so much. Like, I think it's because he no-sold Cody Garbrandt's power when they fought. Because, <laughs> uh, like, he... Like, he fought Cody Garbrandt, then he fought Douglas Andrade, and now he's fighting Ronnie Yaya. Like, what the fuck? Like, how are you going to have him fight Ronnie Yaya in Mexico and expect him to win? Like, that, <laughs> that, that's dick. Dick move. Dick yeah. move, um, Nick Maynard. <laughs> <laughs> and props to Yaya, who, like, after he got the Kimura and his post-fight was, you know, was like, hey, after that, you can follow me on Instagram. I'll show you guys how I did the submission. So, shout out to him promoting his social Dude, media game. You upset ain't going to do it for you. Right, <laughs> not but at all. <laughs> if I was in the UFC and I had any type of like business outside the UFC, and I won a fight, and they were gonna interview me, I'd be like, "Yeah, you can catch me on um Twitch, YouTube, Facebook." <laughs> hey man, you I, got I, uh Quinta and them shouting out the real oh, dude, <laughs> the real yeah. estate. <laughs> dude, if I, are you kidding me? Uh, you, you gotta do what I, you I'd gotta have, do. I had like my corner man have like a little sign, like one of my signs. Like if I was a realtor, like like those sold signs they have out in front of the house where they have right. for some crazy ass reason they have your picture on them. I, I I never understood that. Like just because your picture's on the side doesn't mean I'm more likely to buy a house from you. You know what I mean? But I don't know. Maybe it's some kind of I don't know, <laughs> subliminal. I don't know. But hey, man, promote 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 your stuff. You, you gotta get your name out there because they're they're definitely not gonna promote him exactly whatsoever. So. Yeah, great, great submission win. Really quick, um, Ronnie Yaya is like seven or like seven and one or like five and six in his last few, or five and one in the last six or something like that. Like he's it's something like he's five and one in his last six. Like and he's some big dudes, like left and right. So I feel like they're not gonna give him a they, good. They, they they're not. They're gonna give him that that Damian Maya treatment. Well, he'll have to win like eighty thousand fights <laughs> before he gets considered for. Like fighting a, a big yeah. name, but great, great submission nonetheless. Uh, Jose Alberto uh, Quinones and Diego Rivas. Uh, Jose won by unanimous decision. If I remember correctly, I was basically like a three round kickboxing yeah. match. Uh, worth noting, this, this um, is Rivas coming back off of like fighting cancer. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that was his story, yeah. And then, like, he supposedly had like a month to live where they told him, like, yeah, he was only gonna have like a month. And now he's back, so props to him, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely a good story. Um, a fight that I just saw this morning because I missed last night. Uh, Joseph Morales had a, I want to say a comeback win over Roberto Sanchez, winning by a uh, rear naked choke. I think this was Morales' debut. Yes, it was both for their debut. debuts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it, that was a because I think he was he was losing like the first half of that fight, and then at one point they had got up off the ground and he like he rocked them with a right, and then it kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> and, um and shout outs to the last fight we'll mention Jordan Rinaldi who won by Von Fluchoke against Alvaro Herrera and a fight where got Herrera taken down didn't <laughs> didn't want to let go of a of a guillotine that just wasn't going anywhere <laughs> like, he just he refused to just just give up on it and yeah, yeah. he paid for it 
five on flute joke. So, um, like that was a great start to the night because you knew what type of night we were going to get into. Wait, <laughs> oh, we got one flute jokes going on. Right. Only, yeah. Like only better thing the fire would have been if we had a bulldog choke or something like that. Yeah. Kind of. Who's the last person to do a Von Flute show? Because I know OSP did one. Yeah. No, one? I don't think it was the last. Well, it might have been the last one because freaking. God, what's his name? Because he did it twice, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big dude to catch a Von Flute from. Like I imagine that's probably. Ugh. Yeah, but. Awesome yeah. card, though. Like, it, was, it was fun for a card that had, like, only two fights that had any type of weight to them. Right. And the rest of these fights were just, like, I mean, aside from Albie and Evan, like, all of these fights were just really fun to watch. It, it, and can't undersell the, the fact. Seven first By the way, it was OSP. He did it not only to, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Nikita Krylov. He also did it to freaking Marcos Rogerio de Lima, like, in April. Mm-hmm. So... Von Flew Kingpin. <laughs> but, but, yeah. Awesome cars. No, I was going to say light heavyweight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember he's fighting Shogun again. <laughs> Why? Why is the UFC doing because if Because if Shogun wasn't fighting OSP, he'd have to fight freaking Broken Ozdemir. Does that sound any better uh, to you? I'm, he's on the biggest fight, his biggest winning streak in like seven years. I'll I'll take Shogun and Old. I mean, oh, why is that division? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> that division just I look at it. I just I don't really know what's happening anymore. The UFC, UFC and let, let, let now go of half the top ten talent because they were bored. Right. <laughs> and, and now we're left with the talent that's not as good. But can like that is like sloppy fun to watch. So and now Vulcan now uh, isn't which I found out last night because they announced it during the card. Vulcan because we we talked about this before that we thought Vulcan might have to go through Glover and then Glover would just school him like he does every next up and coming guy. But Vulcan is now fighting um uh, God, who is it was Serkinov? Yeah, uh, uh, Glover's just fighting Serkinov. Oh, yeah, 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 Glover's fighting Serkinov, yeah, so I don't know what, uh, Ozdemir, or who he's gonna fight, but, yeah, 205 is just 205, I don't know, <laughs> it's, it's hard to even make sense, I'm glad John Jones is back, that's, that's all I can say about I mean, not, uh, he, he, until he's a heavyweight fighting Brock Lesnar, right, <laughs> I'll, I'll enjoy his time while he's here, uh, <laughs> Before he uh, before he leaves, um, that's we're coming up at about an hour and thirty. Um, but just a few other uh things to mention. I guess real quick we can touch on it. Uh, uh Vasil Lomachenko fought uh, Miguel Mariaga. Yeah, Mariaga. Um, that was last night. I was actually watching that fight and the Moreno fight at the same time on two different screens. Um. This is my first time seeing Lomachenko fight, as I've stated on this show before. I don't, I'm, I don't watch boxing a whole lot, but uh, this year more than ever, I've been, been, been trying to keep up. So it's been a good year. Uh, it's only getting better. They just announced um, a big, a not big fight, but like a big fighter, Oscar Valdez, uh, who's going to be fighting at ESPN. So big. 
Yeah, and that was another thing. Yeah, I'm glad this it was on ESPN, so like it wasn't hard to find. I actually didn't have to, I didn't have to bootleg it or, or stream it. This was easy. Well, yeah, I like, I, I love that they put these on ESPN. Now it's just, it's it's so much. I don't know. It's just I like it. It's easy action. Does that uh, Lomachenko? Look at that. Oh, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, oh no, you, you can go ahead because I was going to say Lomachenko. Uh, just the first time I watched it, like I said, I was watching the Moreno fight, like, back and forth, so I was kind of like, I was seeing it, but I wasn't seeing it, so I rewatched it this morning, and, man, Lomachenko just styled on uh, Mariaga, just kind of... Like, I think the point <laughs> like, Vasil's, like, last three opponents have not been knocked out. They've all quit on the stool, or their corners have quit for them. Like, he uh, he doesn't... Well, I'm not going to say he doesn't have, like, the firepower to knock guys out. If you get a chance... Go back and watch his fight with Roman Martinez. Is the knockout of 2016? It is absolutely gorgeous. Um, but um, yeah, like he, he he doesn't really do the all the whole firepower like I'm Gennady Golovkin tearing through your defense type thing. Like he demoralizes guys and just beats the crap out of them in the process. Like he uh, Nicholas Walters. Um, most famous for knocking out Neil Donaire and uh, Vic Darchinian in the same year. Like, he made Nicholas Walters look like a dude he fought, like, off the street. Like, it, it's amazing. Like, his style isn't just, like, violent. It's something that makes the other guys look like they've never boxed before. He makes world-class guys look like just straight-up normal-ass dudes. And it's insane. Like, and I think from what I've heard, like he he hasn't been. Well, I can say he hasn't been fighting for that long, but like his pro record, he doesn't have like a lot of fights. I don't think. He is that this, this that was his eleventh fight. Yeah, and Mariaga was like twenty two and I'm sorry. Yeah, it was like tenth or eleventh. Like he's just hitting double digits, and Mariaga had like twenty two, twenty three, seven. Yeah, and oh my god, I just watched the yeah. KO. <laughs> Oh man, ah! Oh. Martinez had that look on his face that, like, when he looked back up, like he just knew, like, I, I probably shouldn't get it. Oh my yeah. god! No, he, uh, like, um, so Vasil, like Vasil, two-time Olympic gold medalist. Um, they advertise his record as like being nine hundred ninety, three hundred ninety-one to one or something like that. He's actually lost like five times, I think, but he's avenged all his losses. So, um, yeah, no, he is, like, he, he came onto the scene and was like, I, I want to fight for a world title almost immediately. He couldn't get that, uh, like, he couldn't get that, but he got an eliminator for the WBO t- featherweight title. He ended up fighting Orlando Salido, uh, Orlando Salido, who I love, but I understand why other people don't love him. Like, he's fun, like, it's not like he's not fun to watch, but he cheats like a mug. <laughs> like I'm talking like freaking like low blows. He'll step on your like Lomachenko was doing it here, but like Orlando Salido will step on your freaking shoe like shoes. And, and he came into their fight in the, like, this is uh, <clears throat> Vasil's second fight. I want to say he came in like two weight limits over. Like I'm trying to find the weight. Height, <clears throat> no. It's a it just fucking box rank. It won't tell me what we weighed that night. 
But point being, like, I think he came in like eleven pounds heavier than what he was supposed to. Wow. <laughs> it might have been more than that if I remember. But like, Salido basically um, got away with like thirty or forty lobos. Like, just, like not <laughs> not like one or two, like thirty or forty. Like where he was just straight up hitting Vasil in the like straight in the junk, and the ref did nothing about it. Man. But Vasil, man, he looks like just a, a technician out there. Like, like I said, it's not like scary KO power, but it's more like it's just volume. It's great footwork. And I like that, like, he's one of those dudes, it seems like, he, he doesn't throw 100% in every oh, dude, punch. Yeah. He'll pot shot, pot shot. Dude, like, him, one of the things he does so well is just touching. Right, like, He'll yeah. feel you out, he'll feel where your weaknesses are, he'll get your guard down, and then he'll rip one to the body while you have both your arms up defending your head. Because that's where he touched last. Like, he is so many, like... It's so many simple things mixed with so many like creative and just fun things that make his game so awesome to watch. Um, I want to. I'm trying to remember the name of the dude he fought. I think it was Soraya Takun. So I think in the second or third or fourth round or something like that, he breaks one of his hands and proceeds to fight the rest of the fight with one of his hands and still ends up throwing over a thousand punches. <laughs> Hey man, they got a like, got like this dude isn't fighting like Andre <laughs> Wards and um I don't know uh freaking Canelo Alvarez's and like like cause, uh, and Gennady Glovkins, but he's fighting world class competition. Like like former or current or like former title challengers, former world champions, he's just beating the crap out of them. And making them look like they've never done this before. Like I saw people trying to hate on his knockdowns, saying that, like, I don't know, maybe some of them were slips. Yeah, it was like, I mean, he was, he, he was tooling. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he was crap out. It doesn't matter. He was tooling. <laughs> yeah, like, whether they were slips or not, he he, he was tooling him. Like, there was, a, there was no point in this fight at all where he was ever in any danger. Like, um, yeah. I was going to say, I'm trying, I'm trying to think, because there was something important I wanted to mention about um. Oh, so like there are just certain dudes you can tell are born to do a specific sport. Like looking at Roy Jones, you would think he was built for nothing else other than to box. Same with a guy like John Jones. Uh, like same with a guy like LeBron James. Like right. uh, I think Vasile's like that type of athlete, where like he was born to do this type of shit. And it shows. Like, there are guys like, um... I'm trying to think of, like, a really technical... Like, Bernard Hopkins. Like, I, like... I, I don't... Like, Bernard Hopkins is one of the best defensive boxers ever. One of the best boxers ever. I was going to say, I'll throw that out there. It's my favorite boxer yeah. of all time. But, like, <laughs> you look at him and you look at, at Roy Jones... And you're like, which one of these dudes is really built for this? You know what I mean? Right. Maybe not the long haul, but what is built for to fight? You're going to say Roy Jones. Like, I'm sorry. Right. Like, I think honestly, I think Hopkins had a better career than he did. But like, I I look at Jones as like that's what you think of when you think of a boxer. 
I look at Vasily in the, I look at Vasily in the same way. Yeah, yeah, he's. I don't. I don't know. Some. I'm not like super into boxing. I don't know like who his next like big challenge would be, or like somebody they should line him up with next. But whoever it is, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> whoever, whatever big name they throw at him or beat him to, or he, yeah, whatever happens next for him, I'm I'm checking for it. Um. But yeah, that was that was an awesome uh, fight. I mentioned it got stopped in the seventh round, but yeah. So shout out to Lomachenko, man. That was a really awesome performance, and shout out to boxing. This is I've never watched boxing so much in my life until this year. So <laughs> yeah, shout outs to shout outs to the whole the whole sport as a whole. Combat sports in the general, man. There's been a lot of good violence this year. Just a lot of good. Yeah, uh, like on the boxing tip, um, shout out to Juan Juan Manuel Marquez. Uh, Vladimir Klitschko, Takeshi Miura, uh, Takeshi Takashi um, Uchiyama, and Tim Bradley. All three of them, all five of them, sorry, can't count. All five of them have decided to retire in like the span of like two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I saw the, I think I saw the Klitschko news yesterday, uh, early yesterday, yeah, that he decided to retire. So, like, shut. Fight with Anthony Joshua. Was yeah, amazing. that was fight, that's going to be fight of the year. Like, there's nothing that's going to top that. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And might have been a loss, but like that's not a bad fight to go out. No, nah, like not at all. Yes, that's a great fight to be remembered. That is like there's no passing the torch moment, like in combat sports that could top that type of fight. So yeah, so yeah, shout outs to to all those those gentlemen. They've been, you know, all all putting in work. All have earned their their retirement. Um. See, we're coming up on about a. Uh, I forgot the time. I clicked off my phone, but <laughs> I guess uh, we'll go ahead and skip to uh, parting uh, shots and shoutouts. Um, I'll just give two. <laughs> I'll give two shoutouts. Um, quick shoutout to uh, really shoutout to the whole one championship uh, card, which I happen to miss because they're always at crazy times when I'm at work. But uh, from the highlights I've seen from the card, it, it looked uh, pretty violent. Uh, saw a lot of finishes, a lot of people just getting the crap beat out of them. But uh, I'll give a shout-out to Bibiano Fernandez, who defended his bantamweight belt, won by submission, uh, beating Andrew Leone. Uh, actually, no, I got three shout-outs. I lied. Quick shout-outs to Adriano Marias, who won a five-round fight, which I heard was really good, but I missed it, uh, against uh, Karat Akhmedov. Um, I think they unified the belts. Uh, I think this was a rematch. I'm pretty sure this was a rematch. Um, so Marias won that fight. And my last, <laughs> definitely not least, the biggest shout-out I'm going to give this entire month, uh, M1 had a medieval <laughs> fight <laughs> between heavyweights. I'm going to try not to butcher these names. Uh, the first gentleman's name is Vladimir uh, Nitsi Perenko. He is from the Ukraine. He's 220 pounds. Uh, he fought a gentleman named Yuri Slavyanik from Russia, who was 225 pounds. Now, due to, like, I feel like lack of promotion, I don't know who won this fight, but if you guys get a chance, if you do anything else for the rest of the day, please go <laughs> go find the highlight of this fight 
Um, it might be kind of hard to find because, like, every time you search for the video, it's hard to find them by name. But just like, just type in M1. Um, was it M1? M1 Challenge A2. Yeah, M1 Challenge 82, and just look for the, it's the only night fight on the entire card. Um, I'm pretty sure you'll find a highlight, um, some very vicious night ground and pound with shields and swords. It, it was, it's, it's, like, it's one of those things when I watch it, I'm like, I'm a barbarian of a person to enjoy watching this, but it's so entertaining, and like, <laughs> I, whoever lost, I felt bad for him, because like, they're wearing full-blown armor and mask, and you can hear the guy screaming from inside his mask after he lost. Like, he was just—I don't know—he was just so tired or in pain, probably a mixture of he both. He was sad he lost. <laughs> God, uh, and there are a lot of medieval like night fights you can watch. Battle of Nations. Uh, but yeah, definitely watch the Battle of Nations, man. You get like five one fives, ten on tens, and. Yeah, swords and <laughs> shields and freaking crap. What's the big staff thing with the sword at the end of it called? With the handle uh, and hatchets. They have uh, hatchets too. Yeah, hatchets. <laughs> like, it's the most bizarre, violent, entertaining thing you'll ever watch. They are in, <laughs> they are in like a sixty-foot ring, right? <laughs> they are tasked with hitting one another until the other ones hit the ground. So, like. Shout outs to anybody who participates in these medieval fights. Like, you have to be a special kind of crazy and just, you have to be like the toughest. You got you got to be cut from like the toughest cloth and the craziest cloth to even wake up and decide that I'm going to hit somebody with a sword today and this is how I'm going to make some money. <laughs> Shout outs to M1 for, for, putting, for bringing medieval fights to like a bigger stage and as somebody pointed out on Twitter, uh, if Japan can somehow follow up this idea and we can get some samurai fights going, that's 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 where it's at. That's that's where I want to see this medieval thing evolve into. I mean, like the, the quick side tangent. Um, if anybody played the PS4 game for Honor, which is pretty awesome, like we we can bring that to real life. I mean, we don't need people dying. I mean, but, you, you say know. it. You say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I feel like we can bring the samurais and the knights and the Vikings. Like this can be a real thing. The, the, we, the, the M1 is laying the groundwork, and we we just gotta let it. We gotta let it evolve into just, <laughs> just we just gotta let it flourish, let it grow. So shout outs to M1. Shout outs to to those two gentlemen and everybody who's who participates in medieval fights. You've given me a lot of a lot of good entertainment. <laughs> so yeah, that those will be my my parting shout outs. All right. Um... I have a parting shout out for um, on Friday, August 4th, uh, Caressa Shields became the first woman to win both an Olympic uh, gold medal and a world title. In part because the Olympics have only been available for women for boxing for like five years, but, you know, beside the point. Point being, <laughs> she won the IBF and the WBC um, super middleweight titles. By defeating Nikki Adler in the main event of a Showbox card on Showtime, um, she destroyed. She beat the shit out of Nikki Adler. Like <laughs> this is the best. That was the best Carissa Shield since I since I saw her win the um, gold medal at the 2012 Olympics. Um, like I, if you had told me Adler had landed no strikes in the fight, I would believe you. 
Like, it was completely lopsided. Adler looked like she had no business being in the in the ring with her. Like, at the beginning of the... In between the first and second round, Caressa Shields called. She's like, I'm not going to call her a bum, but she's a bum. <laughs> and I think she got her... Like, the refs... Like, there were no knockdowns, but the ref stepped in in the middle of the fifth and was like, Adler, stop. What are you doing to yourself? <laughs> um, it, it was a pretty oh, big uh, event. Um, like I saw like a lot of media for Shields that I don't see for like a lot of other boxers. And um, but she's the uh, oh, but oh, um, Chris Cyborg, her training partner and UFC featherweight champion, was in the building. Christina Hammer, the uh, the number one middleweight on the planet, was in the building. That's a fight that they're probably going to be looking at soon. I would not be surprised if Hammer's team was like, yeah, no, we don't want this fight in America because uh, if anybody knows anything about like Christina Hammer and Sophie Mathis, Ham- uh, Hammer's listed as undefeated, but that's only because they they ruled a knockout that Mathis had against her as a no contest because she like, hit her behind the head, but she didn't. Like, It's just some corrupt bullshit. So that's a fight that's going to be the next big fight for up shields. I don't know when that happens, but um, yeah, no, it was as impressive as hell, and she is above and beyond like the most physically dominant fighter in women's boxing right now. Like, I cannot stress enough how much faster and stronger and better she was than Adler, who has way more experience as a pro. So, big win for Shields. Yeah, props to yeah, props to her. I was I was hoping he was gonna bring that that up. Yeah, because I have been seeing her like just seeing her name float around more and more. I want to say she was on like you know, like and tweet out a picture for her or something like that. Yeah, like she's getting she's getting some some good publicity, some good, you know. There, there's some push there, so like hopefully, hopefully she can become like a, a you know a household name. Yeah, and, I'm I'm just saying, like, and she's got a great story. Yeah, yeah um, by the way. Her story is being uh, was picked up by um, the uh, Barry Jenkins, I want to say, the uh, director of Moonlight. Yeah, oh. he was supposed to be writing the script. I he tweeted something about it like a few week, like a week or two ago, like how he's happy to be working on it. So that's a thing. Like she was, she got invited to like the Detroit Lions um, summer camp, and she was hanging out with a uh, what's the dude's name, Barry Sanders, De- Deion oh, Sanders, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Very Sanders, yeah. yeah. I don't know football. Um, <laughs> so, like, her star is on the rise. Like, so shouts to her. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. Uh, uh, um, shouts to... Crap, who else won? Oh, Michaela Mayer. Might as well stay on the boxing tip, or women's boxing tip. Um, Michaela Mayer, 2016 Olympian. Uh, she had her pro debut on the undercar for the lomachenko Mariaga fight. Um, she fought a girl with one pro fight that was a loss and probably had no amateur background, but still you gotta go out there and win your first fight, I guess. And, uh, she went out there and just destroyed the girl in like 45, 75 seconds. I can't remember. Yeah, like hit her with a body shot, just like completely took all the air out of her. It looks like she hits hard too. Like, it's not, it's not like, oh, she got overwhelmed by a better boxer. I mean, she did, but like, it looks like she has power when she goes to the body. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, 
America, like I said, only has two women's uh, champions now. We were going to have three, but this woman, Mary McGee, was supposed to fight uh, uh, Alicia Napoleon, and she fell out because she had, like, blood clots. Yeah. Ouch. In her chest, and um, so that fight got called off. So, who knows when we're going to get another American champion? So, a- anyone who can get some momentum going is a okay in my book, especially a former Olympian like um, Michaela Mayer. So, shouts to her. Yeah, women's combat sports, man, coming. Hopefully, hey, the, come up. the only oh. woman to ever beat Carissa Shields, pro or amateur, is going to be on the undercard for uh, Mayweather McGregor. So, that's good. That's a definitely. A good I, I can't help but think Floyd Mayweather signed her to his promotion out of spite. So, that that's just me. <laughs> because he's she's Savannah Marshall's her name, and she's signed to Floyd Mayweather Promotions, and that makes like zero sense to me. But whatever, she's from Great Britain. We'll see, but yeah, those are um. Yeah, shout out to Clarissa. Yeah, I saw the highlight of that fight. It was, it was that was brutal. That was <laughs> good luck to anybody who's uh who's got a seven or eight. Anybody but, from um... one fifty four to one sixty eight is in trouble. <laughs> but uh, guess real quick before uh, we get out of here, the next card uh really it's like a big break. So next UFC card is Struve and Volkov, which is September second. Uh, Bellator has a pro shop thing they don't care about <laughs> but on August 25th uh, they do have uh, Andre Korshkov and uh, Chitty Anjikawani so I am looking forward to that later this month and then uh, the very following day we have uh, Mayweather and McGregor uh, yeah that, that's that'll be a thing um, so there's like there's so we, we, besides Dana White's fight series which it has some names on it. Like, I don't know the main event, but Julio Arce, former Ring of Combat, Featherweight and Bandweight champion, Kevin Gray, um, Legacy FC vet, LFA vet? No. RFA vet, that's what I'm thinking of. RFA vet, Alex Perez, former Tachi Palace, like, flyweight title contender or champion, I think. Title contender. I don't think he ever won the title. But he's dropping the flyweight again, so... There are people on that. Um, if you really want to watch MMA before the next Bellator card in like three weeks, there's a Road FC card next Saturday. I I think it's part of their like million dollar um, lightweight tournament. Like I think there's gonna be a bout or two that'll be featuring one of those people, but like I'm not 100 percent sure. So just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, Charles, Chris Bennett, uh, Barnett will be on it. Huggy Bear. Hmm. <laughs> so, so got a little, yeah, from what I've seen, uh, from what I see, has, uh, the cards are always pretty entertaining. There's always some, like, wild KO or somebody. Yeah, wild, some wild matches. Have, have a 16-year-old <laughs> girl fight one of the best <laughs> freaking strikers that MMA, women's MMA has ever seen. Hey, you got you to do what you got to do. <laughs> but, you know, in between then, I'm pretty sure... Uh, It'll be stuff to talk about, and other than fights, um, I got music reviews coming soon. Um, I'm actually probably gonna record again today. Um, so music reviews will be coming. We're officially um, in the gray weather, Mayweather. Yeah. 
so, it's coming. So it's as hot as the hot takes have been so far, oh my God, we are we are for some doozies. Oh boy. Yeah, that that week is gonna that's gonna be a fun. It's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm gonna be in Scotland that week. I'm I might I might go out to watch. I mean, I'm not like to a bar, but um, a uh, friend of a friend of mine is having a fight party, so I might I might go out. I might. I don't want to, but just just because this is gonna be so much of a spectacle, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards that. I, I might just go out. Yeah, if I like, I'm I'm going I'm going to be in Scotland that week. I'm going to try to go to Ireland and get like a grasp of like what people think about the fight. I can't imagine it's going to be anything other than, you know. McGregor is going to knock him out, <laughs> but um, I, I I really wish I could have stayed there the extra day so I could have like just been in um, freaking because I'm gonna try to make I was gonna try to make it out to Scotland to try to see uh, Ireland to see like to see the fight happen before the Irish like an Irish bar or something like that and just yeah. watch them all implode as a god. <laughs> McGregor is just completely outclassed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll we'll see. To we'll see. For like drunk Irish people here. Hey, right, that's that's still something. It's still something. It's gonna be entertaining regardless. I, that that's the whole reason I want to go out is I just want to gauge facial expressions and I want to just be around other people when they see this fight isn't what they thought it was, what it was gonna be. But yeah, so we'll we'll have a little break of fights. Still won't be a break in content though. I'll still be putting out stuff. And yeah, so like the next time you guys hear from us. Um. Yeah, McGregor and Mayweather will have been a thing. So there'll be plenty to talk about. There'll be plenty to talk about, and I'm pretty sure that fight is gonna have aftermath that could probably be an entire podcast onto itself. But um, <laughs> there's a last note uh, real quick before I close out. Um, I'm in the process of trying to get uh, the Dojo Talk podcast on iTunes. So I submitted my podcast to iTunes. I'm still waiting to hear back mm-hmm. from them. Um, so hopefully everything goes well. Should be hopefully on iTunes within like the next week, depending on how long it takes to respond. Um, so if you guys could give us some good ratings when we go up on there, I would appreciate it. Um, as always, we're on SoundCloud, YouTube. Um, I also have an RSS feed if you want to subscribe that way that I finally got set up. And I'm thinking of uh, probably putting this on Google Play also. Got to look into that, see how that works. But as always, trying to expand the audience, expand the listeners. Uh, make sure you like us on Facebook. Just go on to Facebook, type Dojo Talk Podcast, hit the like button, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on SoundCloud, and eventually in the future, uh, subscribe on iTunes. But I uh, guess that'll be pretty much it for today. So as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we'll be there to talk about it. And hopefully we will catch you guys soon. Peace.